0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Two days ago, Israel National News came out with a feature article from Carolyn Glick, one of the foremost uh, writers and exponents there in Israel, titled Revolution Has Come to America. Revolution has come to America. Now, we might not want to hear those words, but there's more reality to them that we might care to admit. So she begins by saying, How does a nation lose its freedom? One way, of course, is through foreign conquest. History is filled with examples of nations being subjugated and enslaved by foreign tyranny. Today, she says, in the United States, Americans are not losing their liberty to a foreign power, but to domestic revolutionaries. The revolutionaries, she said, are willing to use force, as they showed in the summer of 2020, when they burned and looted their way through U.S. cities. But generally speaking, their weapon is not the gun or the jackboot, but demonization and intimidation. And now, with the Biden administration firmly ensconced in power, they move forward with their revolution with the firm backing of the state and its weapons of repression and criminalization. Last month, she says, the revolutionaries and the administration converged before the cameras at a meeting between Vice President Kamala Harris and students at George Mason University in Virginia. Now, with the Biden administration firmly ensconced in power, they moved forward with their revolution, and a female student with the voice of a child used her audience with Harris as an opportunity to promote the revolution's vicious hatred of Jews and of America. She sniffed emotionally under her mask and told America's second-highest elected official that her feelings had been hurt when Congress passed a bill for supplemental funding to Israel's Iron Dome anti-missile system. The move, she yelled hurts my heart because it's an ethnic genocide and a displacement of people, the same that happened in America, and I'm sure you're aware of this. Well, Harris might have been expected to call the student out for promoting anti-Semitic and anti-American blood libels. But instead, she didn't. Instead, Harris empowered the young bigot. She said she was glad the student had shared her views. She said, this is about the fact that your voice, your perspective, your experience, your truth should not be suppressed, and it must be heard right. And one of the things we're fighting for in a democracy, right? Well, when right is seeming wrong, and wrong seems right, just as exactly the Bible described it would be in these days of the messianic age. Today on Viewpoint, we have a very unusual guest. He's joining us again. Actually, he is a, uh, a fascinating fellow. Uh, David Rubin has appeared on, on many national and international programs. He was born in Brooklyn, New York, but he resides in Israel with his wife and children on a hilltop overlooking the site of ancient Shiloh or Shiloh which was the hallowed ground where the tabernacle of Israel stood for 369 years before it made its way to Jerusalem. It was in the time of Joshua, Hannah, and Samuel the prophet, and David, not King David, but David himself, Reuben, former mayor of Shiloh, Israel, the region of Samaria, which together with Judah was known and is known to much of the world as the West Bank. He's founder of and, and president of Shiloh Israel Children's Fund, and he is here to talk today about confronting radicals and what look can learn from Israel. Uh, David, do you prefer to be called David or David?
1: Well, when, when you come to Israel, Chuck, you can call me David. All right. and in, in, in America, people usually call me David.
0: All right, and that's fine. Uh, So, Carolyn Glick is voicing something very similar in spirit to what you have written about. And isn't it interesting that people outside the country sometimes can see more poignantly what's happening uh, in a country such as the United States of America, where we're swimming seemingly in a cesspool of revolutionary thinking, and it's become normative. So what is it that's prompting you to write from the hills of Shiloh there to America that we should pay attention to? What is it that's motivating you?
1: Well, first of all, as you noted, uh, I, I did grow up in the United States. I grew up in, in New York and Brooklyn. I, I know the American pulse. Mm-hmm and i and I'm still a dual citizen,
2: really uh, oh yeah, oh yeah uh, uh, Israelis
1: are dual citizens mm. Israelis who grew up in the United States and didn't renounce their citizenship are dual citizens, which means that I'm still connected, whether I want to be or not, and in fact i I do want to be i. Mm-hmm. I I didn't leave the United States because I disliked the United States. I, I feel I still feel very connected to the United States. I love so, the United States.
0: So why did you leave I the moved. United States?
1: Well, I moved to Israel.
0: In and other Israel, words, you made Israel. Aliyah, which is the term to go up or to return to Israel.
1: Correct, correct, in fulfillment of prophecy, mm-hmm. in, in fulfillment of the... Uh, the uh, actual uh, destiny of, of the Jewish people,
0: and you're not alone, David. Because uh, just this week we received news from Israel that uh, the uh, those making Aliyah, in other words, returning to the Jewish homeland, Eretz Israel, uh, grew thirty percent this last year. That's huge.
1: Uh, of course, the, the the problem is that the numbers are still small, but the but the movement is very real, right? And and the so those who come to Israel and I can't speak for everybody. I can speak for myself on on this particular point. Uh, you know, I came to Israel because I wanted to make a difference. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a very small country, about size of New Jersey, mm-hmm. uh, in a in a sea of. Of Muslim countries that are seven hundred times that have seven hundred times the land mass of Israel amazing uh, as Israel exists today, so uh, yeah you, you can really make a difference if you're if you're idealistic and you have ideas and you know and in my case uh you know the Almighty had a plan for me, which was which was uh not what I expected, but uh, but but I'm happy to be involved in it. And and uh, so so getting back to your original question, uh, the things happening in Israel are one thing, but as I watched about a year ago, year and a half ago, the and really it started a few some years before that, uh, but the the riots looting, the burning of American cities, the burning of American flags and monuments to American heroes, all of these things that were happening in American cities disturbed me very
0: much. We're going to talk about that more when we get back from this break, friends. We're talking with David Rubin, his book, Confronting Radicals, What Can... What America can learn from Israel, we're going to be fascinated to hear what that is. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts
3: and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org.
0: Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Today we are blessed to have uh, David Rubin joining us again here on the program from his... Uh, Exalted position there on the mountains of Shiloh, overlooking uh, the very area where the uh, former tabernacle was located before it moved on to Jerusalem. That's a historic position. Uh, David, as you were chatting here, as we were talking together, uh, one of the thoughts that came to my mind is that uh, Israel and America are from, I think, uh, the most honest perspective, the two, shall we say, God-ordained countries that were launched, that were established uh, by the will of God based upon the fear of the Lord and, therefore, the law of the Lord. Those two countries. Now, what we're seeing here is that Israel is in uh, uh, straits in a kind of social, domestic, and spiritual war, just as America is today. That's how I see it. How do you see it?
1: Oh, it's clear. It's clear. The correlations are clear. And as I was was starting to describe uh, before the break, what, what we have what we see happening in the United States has clear correlation with what we've been experiencing in Israel for many years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we could look at the uh, the, the protests, uh, what what we call protests, what what we call called protests against racism, and we can we can then see what was happening then and what has been happening in Israel for years. And because I I noticed as I'm watching uh, what was going on in America, I said, wait a second, they're they're throwing Molotov cocktails. You know, those homemade firebombs that the Muslim radicals who've been fighting Israel through their terrorist organizations for years, uh, they've always used Molotov cocktails.
0: It sounds like an American intifada.
1: That's right. That's right. And when I saw the the rocks uh, being thrown. When I saw bricks being thrown at police officers, and I saw piles of bricks on the street corners in American cities. Now they, they didn't just get there. They didn't just—they—they they weren't just plopped down by by some construction worker. Those piles of bricks were were strategically placed on street corners by those who were organizing. Now. Uh, You have to understand, in Israel, Israel, we've seen that for years. In Israel, uh, there was a a time several years ago when they spoke about lone wolf terrorists. Mm -hmm. And they, they spoke about it for a short time until they realized that there is no such thing, and the Israeli intelligence services exposed it for the lie that it is. There is no such thing as a lone wolf terrorist, and terrorists, who, who acts on his own. Uh, everything is planned. Everything is strategically arranged. And frankly, the, the changes in America uh, that that seem to have just hit in recent years, and may, maybe even since Barack Obama was elected president, uh, a lot of people think it started then. The truth is, it started way before that. Yes. It started... In the late 1960s, that's correct, and it continued and got worse and worse. And the radicals from the 60s became became uh, the radicals uh, sitting in corporate boardrooms today.
0: Yeah, I graduated from exactly. university in 1967, began teaching in Southern California for nine years, and that was during the period of time that you're describing, in which everything in this country, and then because of this country, the entire Western world was in upheaval. Educational theories began to change. Uh, Radical thinking began to be inserted uh, into the lower educational levels uh, from the universities that were now being uh, commandeered, shall we say, by socialistic and Marxist radicals that wanted to change everything. They had no respect for authority. They had no respect for God. And uh, everything was turned topsy-turvy. It was a very dangerous time. Uh, during those nine years, I was a public school teacher uh, before uh, practicing law. So I've been right in the heart, the, the the womb of this thing, and have watched it uh, from the inside out, David. And it has been uh, not to mention just chagrin, to bring about chagrin, but but terrifying to see that a nation that was as powerful, as strong, and had been raised up, seemingly by God, for an unusual time in history could be brought to its knees and destroyed so rapidly from the inside out.
1: Okay, so I'm I'm going to take what you said and turn it on its head. Good. uh, Because... Uh, Yes, I also believe that the United States is a a godly nation that was raised for such a time like this. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, I believe, literally, that it was raised for such a time like this. Uh, This time that we are in right now is providing a challenge for Americans who are traditional, for Americans who believe in the Judeo-Christian heritage mm-hmm. uh, that America was built on. And th- those people, those people who who built the United States of America, who, who established that Judeo-Christian heritage, uh, they, they built it up. And, and it's yes, it is being torn apart, but because it's being torn apart, so that means that Americans are being given a challenge. They are being given a challenge. Uh, those who are conservative, those who are family-based, uh, those who believe in the traditional family, those who believe in hard work and, and perseverance, <clears throat> uh, those people are being given the challenge to reverse what has been done to America. Now, no change is irreversible that is a principle that we have seen in Israel that is a principle that we've seen through history in Israel we Israel was a socialist country by the way that's uh, right uh, back in back in the early 1980s that socialism was undone it was reversed
0: but it began with communistic socialism. Com- economy. It came from Russia, though. The socialism and the Jewish people uh, were deeply rooted in a socialist mind and heart set, evidenced by the kibbutz system uh, that was framed around it.
1: Correct. Correct. But, uh, but you know, we learned from our mistakes. And, you know, so when I say what America and learn from Israel. I'm uh-huh. talking about learning from our successes and learning from our mistakes. We made the mistake of establishing a country with a socialist economy and with all the downsides of that. Uh, the you know, people glorified the the kibbutz, uh, the, the the communal farm
2: in mm-hmm. Israel, mm-hmm.
1: and there were nice, th- very nice things about it, uh, but there were also a lot of problems with it. And uh, you know how it undid the traditional family structure. How how it uh, ultimately proved to be more of a burden uh, than than a benefit. And the economy was running some eight hundred percent inflation. Wow! At one point, as as we approached the nineteen eighties, and the there was only one television station. There was only and it was government controlled there was only one labor union and it was government controlled and there was there was only one health fund and that was government controlled You could not choose your own doctor
0: at all so what you so, discovered is that through that system uh, that gave birth to Israel in nineteen forty eight uh it was unsustainable in the long run at first, it seemed right. like well, this is wonderful, this is cool, this is utopian, but utopia turned into something highly undesirable, didn't it?
1: Uh, that's right, and, and it, it, it truly turned out to be a disaster, and Israelis started to notice that, even those who were, who were left-of-center Israelis. And, in fact, uh, there is an Israeli from the Labor Party. He was the Minister of Communications, Oh, excuse me, he was the Minister of Health, and, and he was the one who broke up the, the health monopoly and created competition in the health system.
0: Isn't that interesting?
1: So, yeah, so, so, you know, people sometimes understand common sense, uh, even if it doesn't fit their exact ideology, and that's what happened in Israel. So change is reversible, And all it takes is for people to get involved and to get involved on the grassroots level, as those on the secular left did.
0: Don't you think it also requires not just our human efforts, but also our returning of our minds and our hearts to submit to the God's authority in the land?
1: Well, as a religious person,
0: I certainly believe that. All right. And so that is a major component. I've been asked, David, many, many times over the past 10 years, do you see any hope for America? And I said, in the natural, no. But given the fact that we're still here and we're still struggling, then, but for God, then, we have hope. And it's interesting that in Ghana, they have a phrase, me, which means, but for God. Ghana is the most Christian of all of the uh, countries in Africa, historically. And their, their foundational belief is, but for God, we can't do anything. But for God, this will not happen. But for God, will not be successful. But for God, will not be prosperous as a people. Is that true for Israel, well, You think?
1: That, yeah, oh, of course. Uh, you know,
0: and it's Israel, also true for America, that,
1: then? That's absolutely true. Look, in Israel, we, we say Bezrat Hashem all the time with God's help, and, and it's, it's part of the national makeup. Uh, however, it's not just with God's help. Okay, who's God helping? God is helping us exactly, and we're making the we're making an effort, and, and and then God will will provide. You know, as long as we do our part.
0: So, in other words, yeah, we have that's to cooperate. Where the work
1: comes in. You can't just you can't just sit back and rely on miracles.
0: Absolutely, so we've
1: had miracles here, and we've had plenty. But you can you are not supposed to sit back and rely on miracles. You have to do the hard work that brings those miracles.
0: Yeah. I agree with that, Uh, and so we have to remember our roots. We have to remember the foundations, and as the psalmist said, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? So the foundations have been eaten away in this country terribly. Uh, You're seeking to rebuild the foundations in Israel, and uh, so I guess the purpose of your book, really, is to say, okay... Now what should we do? Seeing that all these things are happening, seeing that we're actually fulfilling what seemed to be a secular prophecy in the book 1984 that uh, is is looking uh, very real uh, today, what can we do? How should we then live? So uh, you said that uh, these things are not irreversible, that they're reversible, and uh, that may be true. But it's, uh, it's an uphill battle. It's like paddling a canoe straight up Niagara Falls because more and more of our young people here today, number one, do not fear God. Number two, they uh, do not understand the foundations of their own country and have been taught exactly the opposite by uh, their professors. How do you reverse that?
1: And, well, that is why the efforts have to be made not just in the political system, but in the educational system, in the media. And those those two are the, the two most influential grassroots uh, sources of of information.
0: That's true. So and since the, the since the educational system is now lorded over. About 80 to 90 percent by confirmed uh, leftists, how do you then turn that tide educational? I want you to think about that uh, in your answer before we get back from this break. Friends, we're talking with a special friend David Rubin. It's important confronting radicals: what American Learn from Israel. The book is uh, available to you. It's a hardbound book. 20, uh, a $27 book, years for $20. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Got to get the book.
3: There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind. Chuck has some great resources to strengthen your marriage. It's all on Chuck's website, saveus.org. Again, you can listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast live and archived at Save America Ministries' website at saveus.org.
0: Always a delight to have you join us here on Viewpoint today. Today we're talking with uh, David Rubin from uh, Israel and uh, his book, Confronting Radicals What American Can Learn from Israel, a hardbound book, $27, Years for $20 on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1 800 SAVE USA. That's 1 800 SAVE USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling will get it in your hands post haste. All right, David. Uh, how do we turn the tide in the educational system when it is currently governed by 80% leftists?
1: Well, there are a few things. First of all, school choice. Uh, you, you have a choice of where to send your children. If your child wants to go to a college that... That is uh, against your values, or to a high school that is against your values. You don't have to send him there or her there. First of all, you you have control. You have control with schools your children go to, and with schools you pay for. That's number one.
0: Okay, that's Actually, good.
1: Get involved in the local school board. I cannot emphasize that enough. You do not have to have a child of school age to be involved in the local school board. You can run for the local school board. You do not have to have a child of school age. You do not have to have a child in the public school system to run for the local school board. And then get involved and go to meetings and and make a lot of noise and make
0: your voice heard. Okay? All of those things are critical, and make a difference. All right, so uh, it's a matter of getting involved, making a difference, and letting our voices be heard. Speaking of voices, we speak with words. Words count. The Bible is called the Word of God. In the Tanakh, it says that God has exalted His Word even above His own name. That makes his word very important, and he expects our words to be very important. But what's happening in the words today is that they're being twisted, they're being turned, they're being manipulated, they're being uh, uh, discombobulated, so to speak, to say something other than what the words really mean. And you cite former U.S. Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was a Democrat, served in Congress for over two decades, But he was a sociologist, and he made an observation that I thought was quite profound. He said, simply put, semantic infiltration is the process whereby we come to adopt the language of our adversaries in describing political reality. So by immediately accepting word distortions that are being dictated to us, we're allowing the aggressors to dictate the narrative that is being implied by the new terminology. That is exactly what's been happening. That's what political correctness, multiculturalism, and religious pluralism has brought upon us. So how do we then begin to uh, turn the tide with regard to our words so that we speak truth, we say what we mean, and we mean what we say?
1: Well, firstly, firstly you have to confront it head-on. Uh, look, we we've experienced that for many years in Israel. We we have the, uh, the the fact that the the Arab nations, the Muslim nations, started to call the areas of Judea and Samaria that important biblical heartland region of Israel. They, they, they started calling it the West Bank, mm-hmm. and and they you know they decided that they were going to. Uh, Created people, uh, the Arabs uh, living in the land of Israel started to call themselves Palestinians. Uh, they, this was this is all semantic warfare uh, because they're change, trying to change history, trying to create a people where there was no people, trying to uh, to erase the historical biblical names uh, from the from the record books. Mm-hmm. Fight uh, falsified history. You have to fight it in the media. You-
0: and Christopher that's Columbus, which we did just the other day.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, you have to point out the self-sacrifice of all of these individuals. And when it comes to the founders of the country and the assault on them because they had slaves, well, you have to point out what was happening around the world at that time where almost every country had slaves.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, if you don't view things in context, that's an important lesson in history. If you don't view things in context, then you're going to lose your understanding or you will never gain an understanding of the real facts.
0: You'll never learn from history. <clears throat> that oh. is right. That okay. Is right. Here's okay. one of the things that really troubles me, David. And I have watched this, I've spoken about it, and that is among my uh Christian brothers and sisters, and even among conservatives who are not Christians in this country, I have watched and heard them all picking up and sharing, communicating with the lingo of the left that's being uh, imposed upon us. Uh, That began, for instance, with the use of the word gay. I refuse to use the word. It is not an appropriate word. It is not a real word. It was concocted in order to avoid the negative implications of the word sodomy or homosexuality. Why don't we just call it what it is? It's sodomizing, it's sodomy, or it's homosexuality. Let's call it what it is. You don't have to be mean-spirited to say it. It's a fact. Why do we have to use other words to try to glorify that which is not glorifiable? It's very troubling to me, and that's just one illustration. There are many illustrations like that where my fellow, uh, even pastors, are buying into using lingo that actually is being superimposed through pop culture upon us, changing the very meaning and implication of words, even God's own word.
1: Well, the history has shown us that, and especially the history of the past few decades, has shown us that the left always takes the approach of attacking. They, they learned a long time ago that the best defense is a good offense, and and therefore they will change the semantics and play this game of semantic warfare, mm-hmm. and, and they will attack, truly attack, anyone who
0: refuses to use those terms. So political correctness was brought terms. what brought that about and now that's metastasized into a more virile and violent form called cancel culture.
1: And and it's vicious as well. It is. But it's all part of a plan. That that that's getting back to my point about the grassroots. Because if the if the conservative religious people in America Don't get their act together, then and and play the game. Play the game that the left, that the secular left, has been playing for all of these years. uh, But uh, but the counter game. Uh, Until the conservative Christians and and Orthodox Jews and uh, others who believe in in a more traditional Judeo-Christian heritage, well, until they wake up. Start acting, and I don't mean just going out to vote. Yes, going out to vote is critical. Yes, but but that's not what I'm talking about. I, everyone should be doing something at the grassroots level that can make a difference,
0: like what we're doing right but, here on the air.
1: That's right. Getting information out there is the first step, and you know, re- reading my book is a, is the second step. Reading others, yeah. uh, who who speak a, a similar. Similar line and, and expose all these falsehoods uh, that 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 are being pushed our way.
0: Well, our listeners and, and, are very interested. And, Go ahead.
1: And, and just let me say this: don't back down. No matter how much they attack, you don't back down, and you point out the falsehood, and you stay, stick to the issue. Don't play the you know the name game right uh where where we assault people by name uh but stick to the issue and
0: hit hard so you don't have to be mean-spirited you have to be willing to speak the truth and not back down from it now what about violence though you see you've already said that the left uses intimidation but that intimidation has moved on to violence and uh how do you reverse that? You say, don't tolerate violence. Okay. Well, there has been no willingness to tolerate it generally among the people, but you have cities like Minneapolis and Portland, Oregon, and so on, that have not only tolerated it, but have actually glorified it. So how do we not tolerate violence?
1: Well, the key word is appeasement. Mm -hmm. Appeasement Never works. Is, is, yeah, it doesn't work. Appeasement is is what was done uh, by the former British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain mm-hmm. uh, during at the beginning of World War II, where he tried to appease Adolf Hitler, and and he uh, basically uh, Hitler pocketed whatever he tried to appease him with.
0: We'll get back to that then after, then after this
3: break. Before. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Our guest today, David Rubin here on Viewpoint Confronting Radicals, What America Can Learn from Israel. And we don't have time to go into the fascinating uh, stories and interest and uh, uh, facts concerning Israel today. Uh, we've, We've tried to touch on it a little bit, but the book is just filled with fascinating information that many people would not know about concerning Israel. And so David lives there. He's a dual citizen, United States and Israel. And, uh, so he has a, an interesting viewpoint, and we need to understand that viewpoint. So the book, again, it's a $27 hard bound book, but it's yours for $20 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. You're writing a check. Add $5 for postage and handling. Okay. We were talking about not tolerating violence, and there's another uh, aspect. You use the word appeasement. And uh, one of the things that I have seen, David, I've grown up in the church. My father was a pastor for 50 years. I've pastored for 40 years and uh, have been involved in the broader Christian community across the country for all of these many years. And what I have seen is that among our pastors, there is a propensity to appeasement. We have bought into the very same mind and heart set that the liberal secular world bought into for a long, long time. And now we have little willingness to speak the truth uh, in, in times like these. It is. It's devastating. It's just absolutely horrific. Uh, for instance, uh, George Barna, who is a pollster to the church for the past 25 years, highly respected, did a poll of American pastors as to whether or not they, what their position was with regard to issues such as homosexuality, abortion, uh, uh, same-sex marriage, uh, divorce, and so on, and. 80% of those who responded said that they embraced the biblical, the strong, clear biblical view on those issues. So then he asked them another question. He said, Well, how many of you are you teaching and preaching about that from your pulpit? Now only 20% said they were. In other words, 60% of America's pastors were so pusillanimous that they didn't have the gumption or guts to speak the truth even that God had spoken to them that's called appeasement
1: yes it is yes it is
0: it's of the worst it, it, it's of the worst kind because the people have trusted those people those leaders to give them the spiritual truth but they're refusing to do it because they're pandering to the culture
1: they are looking after their political
0: survival,
2: mm-hmm. and,
1: and and that is not what a leader is supposed to do. A leader is supposed to speak truth, and that is not what's happening.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, you got it. It's very it's very sad.
1: And uh, you know, I, I look at the, the the riots in the cities that, that we spoke about earlier, mm-hmm. and and I see that that they were demanding uh, the the rioters were were demanding the total defunding of the police totally destroying you know the, eliminating the police
0: basically. in other words they were against law and order don't tell us we have to obey law we are going to have freedom this is the new version of liberty defined by the french revolution right
1: yeah well not freedom uh,
0: we well, it's a phony version of it.
1: They were really saying
0: mm-hmm. anarchy, exactly. Uh,
1: but, 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 but the but many of the leaders, many of the, the more mainstream political leaders, shall we say, uh, they they appeased them. They they agreed to partially defund the police. Well, so as a result of those partial uh, defunding projects we see rising crime in every one of those cities that partially defunded the police. So you don't appease. You don't appease. It's a, it's a tragic mistake.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and what you were talking about with the pastors, that's appeasement as well, is to trying to keep things nice and quiet, uh, not confronting the, uh, the radicals who are trying to change uh, ch- change the basic values of your country. And that is a tragic mistake because you, you, nothing is going to be turned around uh, until those those leaders, those religious leaders, take a stand.
0: Yeah, and, and they've but, got to uh, take and a stand first. The
1: grassroots, uh, Chuck, that's why I say that the grassroots
0: mm-hmm.
1: is where the change is going to have to happen. And uh, the leaders will follow.
0: Well, we have we have leaders who are willing to take a stand against them. It's always somebody else, but they're not willing to address their own congregations about the very same issues going on in their own churches and congregations. That is the ultimate appeasement, and that, I think, is the most dangerous thing of all. One of the things you say that we have to do is cut off funding for these efforts that are uh, – leading to violence and intolerance and destruction of the very foundations of of the country so uh... what have you done there in israel to do that
1: oh, well uh, for, for one thing uh, there there are non-profit organizations operating in israel who act against the very foundations of the country exactly uh, have acted to stop illegal immigration into the country, and there, there are non-profit organizations that have uh, have been acting in the opposite direction. Just as
0: they help, are here.
1: Trying to help illegal immigrants to stay in the country and become citizens. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, they, But the Israeli government, the previous Israeli government, uh, passed a law. Saying that, that that those people, uh, that those nonprofit organizations, have to prove where their funding is coming from. Uh-huh. Uh if, if, if they were being funded, several of them, by European countries, by foreign governments,
0: or like Joe, uh, jo- uh, or like uh, George Soros, in America. Uh, well,
1: yes, yes, and you know, they, so there there have. There have been laws that have been either proposed or passed mm-hmm. that limit who can give what kind of funding if it comes from outside the country. And that's something that's, that's very reasonable, that a country can defend. It's hard to say, well, this citizen can't give because he doesn't share my political views. Uh, but you can say that, that foreign people that people who do not live in your country, who are not citizens of your country, mm-hmm. should not be able to, uh, to give to causes mm-hmm. that are intended to bring down your country and the values that it stands by.
0: Right. Well, that's a good, uh, a good balance there that you're talking about. You know, the family. Uh, we have always said that the family is the foundation of society. And, uh, of course, the family is made up of a mother and a father, Uh, A married couple, uh, and that's why we find right there in Genesis chapter 2 that God established the family uh, beginning with the marriage a father, a mother, or a husband and a wife, and God or the Holy Spirit. So you have a trinity there that is present on the earth to represent God's glory in the earth. Well, because it does represent God's glory, that would be the number one attack of the enemy of our souls to destroy the family, wouldn't it?
1: Yes, and that's why it's happening. Exactly. That is why, the, that's why Black Lives Matter, which, which has nothing to do with Black Lives mattering. No. Uh, what it does have to do with is, is the other central things in their constitution— Uh, in their Constitution, not the Mm -hmm. country's Constitution, Mm -hmm. uh, which speaks against the American family, against the traditional family. Uh, The three lesbians who founded Black Lives Matter have spoken out constantly against the traditional American family. So, you know, you you didn't hear about that when they were rioting. You didn't hear about it when they were placing bricks on street corners. but if you dig a little bit, then that's what you find
0: out. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we need to understand that we need to call it what it is, and stop buying into the phrase, and start stop posting signs that say "Black Lives Matter," because to do that is to buy into a perversion of the language. It's all lives matter. Otherwise, it's bigotry. Otherwise, it's racism—the very thing that they say they're against. Okay. Next, and finally, you say, do not fear the G word. The G word is what?
1: <laughs> uh, well, uh, look, if the if the G word is gay, then you're certainly allowed to use it on the, <laughs> on the mainstream media. Uh, but if the G word is God, uh, then you will be attacked for saying it. You will be you will be blasted as, as being biased. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's time that we do away with that, uh, that nonsense. I think, I think it's time that, uh, that people point out the semantic warfare that is being played. Yes. Uh, the, and the, the, the gender confusion and the, uh, the attacks on people who have a traditional view of the world.
0: All right. Now, tradition is one thing. The tradition itself can be dangerous depending on what it is. Uh, For instance, the Jews that came over from Russia had a tradition of socialism, but it was dangerous. So not all traditions are created equal. So to say the word tradition in itself almost belies the question of, all right, what are we really talking about? And here's what I think the foundation is, and we alluded to it earlier. The foundation of everything is the fear of the Lord. The psalmist said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. That's in the Proverbs. So that is the foundation of everything. Every single promise of God or Hashem is based upon the fear of the Lord. But here's the problem. In our nation... Up until about 60 years ago, if you were to ask someone about a particular person's character, they would refer to them if they were a dependable person, if their word was their bond, if they meant what they said, they said what they meant, and they could be trusted, they would be called a God-fearing man. We have almost abandoned the use of that phrase in America over the past uh, Two generations. I have asked pastors and parachurch leaders and others, when was the last time you heard that phrase used? Not one of them could think of it in the last 30 years. That's our problem. That's the foundational problem of everything. We've abandoned the fear of the Lord. If you don't fear the God, you're going to do your own thing. You're going to lie, you're going to cheat. It's all about you. It's me, me, me. And it's not about society. It's not about the family. It's all about me and my feelings. And so feelings then have become the Lord, and the faith has been abandoned. I think Israel is struggling with that. America is struggling with that. And I think that's our bottom line. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I, I would take it a step further. Okay. I, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. sure. I, I think the, the leader of the Hamas terrorist organization mm. would say would say that he has fear of the Lord.
0: Yep, you're right. Uh, you and, would. You know, but, but
1: but you know, who is the Lord that he's yep. talking about? He's yep. talking about Allah. That's right. Uh, you know, and if you if you read in the Koran, uh, so so you're you're reading a different law.
0: Exactly. During, so we need to you know, know who the Lord is, and he says, "I am that I am." today. Exactly. The new God exactly. in America, exactly. the new God in America is you, my friend. We're continu- continually saying, I am the new God. We could take a whole hour talking about that, but we don't have time. David Rubin has joined us from uh, Israel to talk about confronting radicals, what America can learn from Israel. Get a copy of the book. Uh, $20. We'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. I hope you'll do that, and I hope you'll Pay attention to what we talked about here today. It's critically important. God bless and be a blessing.
3: You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our
0: listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.